ஹலோ வெல்கம் டு ஆல்டர்னேட்டிக் ஆட்டா இட்ஸ் அ பாட்காஸ்ட் ரன் பை அவர் ஃபிலிம் பேஜ் ஆல்டர்னேட்டிக் வேர் வி ட்ரை டு கன்வர்ஸ் வித் ஃபில்ம் மேக்கர்ஸ் ப்ரொடியூசர்ஸ் ஃபில்ம் கிரிட்டிக்ஸ் அண்ட் எனி அதர் ஃபில்ம் ரிலேட்டட் டேலண்ட் வி பப்ளிஷ் நியூ எபிசோட்ஸ் எவ்ரி வீக் ஸோ டோன்ட் ஃபர் கேட் டூன் இன் யூ கேன் ஃபைண்ட் அஸ் ஆன் ஃபேஸ்புக் அண்ட் இன்ஸ்டாகிராம் ஆன் ஃபேஸ்புக் வி ஆர் அட் டபுள் 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 டாட் On Instagram, you can find us by searching underscore alternatic underscore. Please send us your feedback on any of these social media platforms. So without further ado, let's get started with today's episode. Hi, I'm Devanjo and... Welcome to Alternate Take, where we discuss filmmakers, artists, writers, critics. I'm superbly delighted to be in conversation with Don Palatharan, a filmmaker who I recently discovered and I am just obsessed with. Uh, all of his films are streaming on various streaming platforms, mostly um, movie. Today we'll be talking mostly about his three recent releases, Central, 1956 Central Travel Code, Joyful Mystery and Everything is Cinema. Firstly, thank you so much for making the time, sir. Thank you so much, Devon. Yeah, so, um, so Joyful Mystery and Everything is Cinema act as a double bill of sorts in the way uh, they form portraits of relationships being put in a boiler and how they are stretched to breaking point due to lockdown. Uh, but they also represent what I noticed to different representations of the nature of relationships in the sense that uh, the former in the Joyful Mystery, uh, the thing settle into an unresolved cup and in the latter it concludes at a more determinate point of no return uh, so my question is how deliberate was it a decision on the script writing level to execute this transition between uh, kind of uh, temporarily suspended friction and a stronger sense of finality between these two features um i don't see them as you know connected in any way but uh, for me they are entirely different character studies and in study on relationships so um, in one of them I, you know i was uh, i was trying to uh, more than just relationship drama especially when it comes to everything in cinema um, I, for me it was you know while it is while it being a relationship drama uh, at the same time it was more about cinema for me like uh, how um, camera acts as a um, a tool of violence uh, that's what that's something i was trying to uh, play around with uh, when it came to um santosh tendonandesim again uh, you know i slightly went back to my old style of uh, static camera and this time i was trying to uh, give equal space to the two characters while them being different from the characters of everything in cinema so for me they are you know entirely different uh, experiments uh, and which one was short first santosh tinte or everything is cinema everything is cinema was short first short first okay um joyful mystery uh, has these long stretches of quiet moments after arguments with the fever pitch uh, where we see an annoyed jitin get out of the car and go try to cool down and rima uh, kind of clasps her hands and unclasps her hands she does this noisy deep breaths uh, 
Uh, it all seems very spontaneous and in the moment responses. Uh, I'm curious how much of these gestural and movement bits were all chopped out in the rehearsal stage itself. Um, most of it were, you know, uh, we we had uh, uh, rehearsed most of it, uh, but there are, uh, you know, like very spontaneous um, moments that that came in the final take also because uh, we we went for almost five different takes and uh, finally we decided to keep the fifth take and each take was different and they had you know slight differences everywhere otherwise it's you know, humanly it's impossible to you know just um, otherwise it would be too mechanical to just recreate what is uh, said and uh, shown in the rehearsal section so uh, they were actually behaving as characters and for me that was important they you know they have to stay in character and uh, if the characters more demanded you know some kind of emotional response uh, we had to keep it there so you know they were given the given enough freedom to you know take the time um, you know uh, with, uh, you know respond with their bodies the way they wanted to at that time like all those you know they they had all that freedom but again like you know we we had certain kind of uh, like um, some kind of meter uh, we had to apply some meter otherwise it would you know it, you know um, it can um, sometimes get too um, you know like it, it can get out of hand from what we had envisioned before so we had to so rather than saying that we had some specific um, you know um, it, you know the specificity itself had a range you know they, they had to stay between you know within that range that's you know more accurate thing to, uh, way to describe it yeah and what was some of the like recurring technical issues and otherwise any other issues you faced very recurringly while you were shooting with that or single cut cutting or stake device um yeah we had all those uh, we had to face many challenges in terms of technical uh, aspects but we uh, had sorted out most of it before going uh, into the final shoot we uh, prepared almost for a month we were thinking about different aspects we had you know heating issue with the camera uh, like then so we had to keep the ac on while the ac is on we have to think about the sound um then while they are going through uh, different uh, landscapes we have to think about the lighting the consistency in lighting it shouldn't be you know the shadows should look natural and you know uh, real but at the same time you know they shouldn't be completely uh, out of sight so uh, we had different, you know, like the cameraman Saiki and um, the associate cameraman Jensen. They did a wonderful job. They, you know, they tackled most of it, or they uh, suggested me, you know, uh, different solutions, and we worked, worked uh, along those lines, um, you know, uh, including camera. Uh, you know, the, the camera can be a little jerky when it go, you know, when it is going through the, uh, uh, you know. Uh, the patchy road but at the same time if it's you know if you just rely only on the inbuilt um, uh, st camera steady uh, thing then it would be like you know it, it was then it would look too fluid it wouldn't look natural so 
we had to adjust the car itself in order to uh, achieve certain fluidity. So all all those, you know. We and, had, yeah. yeah, and this was short in coach shape, right? Uh, it was short in coach shape. Uh, the cast is very interesting. Now, Rima Kalingil has done some 50, has had some 15 years of experience while Jaitin is relatively a fresh face. Enough of something like uh, this film to work, one needs a pair of actors who are in complete sync, uh, acting off each other's energy. The dynamic has to be filled with like very precise emotional exchange. Now, could you talk about some specificities that you were looking for while casting this young couple who are accustomed to each other's daily routines because they are sharing a flat? Uh, did you audition the principal leads? How did you zero on these two wonderful actors? Yeah, I didn't uh, do an audition for these two people because I have seen them acting before and you know I, I don't have any doubt when it comes to their capabilities as actors. And so, um, I, why, but while I was writing the script, I didn't have anyone in my mind. Uh, it is after the first draft, I decided to, you know, seek out for the different options who, uh, who can do these roles. And um, Rima was one of the first uh, couple of people that whom I uh, thought about. And I, uh, when I told her the story, I, you know, Rima is a, you know, Rima and I have some mutual friends. So it was not very difficult for me to reach out to her. So when I reached out to her, she uh, read the script in one day and she got back to me saying that she was interested. So it was not a, you know, a long process. And again, when it comes to Jitin, I already knew him from another audition that I had done uh, for another friend of mine. So uh, I had seen his tape and, you know, he was a terrific performer. So immediately you know i uh, after writing the first draft itself i contacted him and asked if he can drive the car also and he said yeah um, definitely he was very keen you know uh, and i got 100 percent from both of them like they were you know uh, they gave me you know all their time uh, whatever uh, you know like whenever they were asked to come for rehearsals they were more than happy to do it. They even suggested more rehearsals, you know. So it was a very collaborative process and we had a lot of fun um, preparing for the film also. Now, uh, considering Rima and Jitin also shared dialogue credits, what were some additions they brought to your original 50-page script? Any new dimensions they brought to the quarrels, the squabbles, any past resentment they brought? And they also had a month-long workshop. Could you also talk a little bit about that? Was it chiefly script development work? Yeah, in the beginning, we had uh, only a couple of days of workshop, uh, just so that they would get accustomed to these two characters. Um, during those um, uh, workshop sessions, we had some um, improvised sessions as well. And uh, Rima and Jidin, they enacted some re really interesting situations that are you know, not directly connected to the film and some other uh, scenes that are connected to the film also. And from those dialogues, um, you know, they... Uh, you know, they brought forward a lot of new ideas for me as well. So I, I, will, I have been uh, recording them and uh, uh, then I came back home and, you know, from those transcriptions, I took a lot of, you know, I, sometimes I took a huge chunk, sometimes which is one or two lines. So like that, the final 
being told by an elderly person who lived in that era and you know passing down of those stories there can be like when they talk there there are facts sometimes there are facts sometimes there are myths sometimes there are you know they have heard, you know they are retelling the stories that they heard from somewhere else sometimes they are telling the stories that they remember from somewhere but with a lot of new elements to you know added to their memory because sometimes memory is also like so all these elements uh, i wanted all these together in the film and that's how i approached the film uh, you were, we were also interested in your grandfather's stories about this village and you also made a documentary on him so when did that revival of interest begin when did you think that you want to make this feature oh um not i you know i didn't uh, think about that film uh, until very recently you know just before uh, starting to write the script um and i didn't spend a lot of time writing that script also maybe two or three months that's it and um, before that you know i knew the story and it didn't really intrigue me that much because for me it was just another you know thriller drama kind of story and i didn't want to work on you know something uh, you know th there are so many thrillers coming out every day uh, on netflix or amazon you don't want to make another one of those so i was um, just you know uh, i was working on something else and then suddenly this person uh, one day uh, i was taking a bus ride and suddenly these thoughts came to me of telling this story in a different way and you know approaching uh, it with a lot of other stories into uh, you know cooperating a lot of other stories into it uh, then uh, it, it was very coincidental i got a call from someone and um, you know it was from one of the producers and he asked for i wanted to if i had any other stories um you know that i wanted to make into a feature film and i said yeah there is one story and i immediately gave him a gist of it and he was also impressed then we went into the production immediately it didn't you know it didn't take much time for us so you know it was very you know, you know it was a very coincidental moment magical moment for me yes uh, the film has several characters, several subplots, diversions in narratives that seem built to present a snapshot of history, setting, folklore. Uh, what was the process of writing the screenplay that really brings alive all these aspects, these textures of that time uh, with the interactions among the community of early farmers? Did you talk to a lot of people uh, of the time or something? Uh, no. Uh, not really. I did uh, talk to a few people and I did uh, ask, uh, you know, including my mother, her father and, you know, uh, I talked to a bunch of people, but I didn't do a, you know, like a full on research of anything. Then I read a couple of books or, you know, news clips and all, but I didn't do a full on research because it was not supposed to be a factual story. You know, that was not the aim itself. So. For me, the process of writing, you know, was, you know, just like my other, uh, how I write most of the other scripts, uh, except for everything in cinema. I usually write several drafts. Um, and the, so I, I uh, and by, with each draft, I add another element to it, or, you know, there should be something more interesting, or I should be taking out something, you know, uninteresting. So, you know, that was happening. And I wrote around 21 or 22 drafts for that 
film that you know for that script and you know that was the final draft that was shot uh, i also read that you storyboarded for this film did you do you do that for every other film not really i i draw something or the other just to give myself sometimes an idea of what's happening or sometimes to communicate with the director of photography um for this one i had a bunch of uh, uh, pictures drawn out uh, especially when it came to some particular scenes i you know um had to be more specific than the other you know other ones or sometimes you know you will get an idea only when you go to uh, the location and see the people but you know uh, but, uh, and for uh, for some scenes you know it's not a storyboard that you are drawing some mud map you know so I, you know i uh, it is it's all um, a part of giving me, myself a better idea of what i'm going to do the next day or the next month uh just talk about scouting for the locations and how the location really changed the screenplay fit at all date yeah definitely um i think it's after a bunch of uh, drafts that i you know i already had a script then i went for the location rakhi uh, and after seeing the location um, then you get a better idea of how how you can actually shoot the scene um, then you know you have to change in, in terms of the uh, the number of shots maybe sometimes you know you have to uh, change the way or the order of things happening according to the uh, location that was given to you sometimes you want to convey particular power dynamics between the characters and the location is you know uh, not in a way of supporting what you had originally in mind so you may have to change things around in the script so um, it was all happening and even during the shoot we shot for 16 days even in the middle of the show, shoot itself we had to change some locations so you know it was all happening simultaneously so i had to do another location rakhi in the middle of the shoot and then you know you have to uh, reimagine everything that you had already planned and where was this film shot largely i was mostly shot uh, near my uh, home village uh, and um, and in the in the same district mostly uh, some of it was shot in tamil nadu Yeah. Uh, there are these subtle remarks here and there that reveal truths about community and character in both the films. In Travancore, uh, we see our uh, we we often see the community's parochial prejudice, locally close nature, and hostility towards the non-Catholic outsider. Uh, in Joyful Mystery, our stray remark that Maria makes reveals her very classist beliefs in a very clear view. Uh, how essential do you think these subtle bits are in uh, creating convincing wholeness, uh, in creating convincing portraits of the people you present? Yeah, because it's you know I have not met too many politically correct people when it comes to you know your personal space or uh, an intimate space. Um, Uh, people tend to be politically correct in the public sphere but when it comes to a personal sphere people are you know very free and they um, the true colors come out so uh, and i you know I, i don't have any i am not ashamed to say that i come from a very classist uh, casteist and you know racist community 
um, you know and i was uh, when i when i was growing up that's the kind of narrative that i used to hear so i wanted to um, you know um, add all you know i didn't want to uh, i didn't want to present a more cheerful more colorful or a, you know more happier uh, world other than what i was i have been experiencing um so travancore is this patchwork of stories and questions the veracity of our historical narratives are uh, you often depict memory and history as this tightrope between truth and fiction uh, do you think our contemporary indian cinema is able to capture this tussle when it comes to portraying uh, narratives situated in a, in a in a bygone era um i am uh, i don't i'm not i don't personally believe that i am qualified enough to answer that question because i am not you know that well versed with uh, indian cinema of the past and present i i just see you know one you know uh, i just see what i feel like seeing or you know i i'm someone who uh, watches films um, uh, in order to you know uh, enjoy that moment you know or learn something from it i don't i'm not a film theorist or an analyst or a critic so you know i wouldn't comment on you know other films that much uh sharing catherine also acted in travancore and then she played uh, the lead in uh, everything cinema how did she come on board um uh, we uh, you know uh, during the you know like uh, we we are partners and we have, we have been working on you know a couple of projects you know since central travancore she has been associating with all the scripts um, that i worked on and um, while i was thinking about everything in cinema she show, she was confident that you know she could act also so i asked her okay but you have to give me an audition and then she gave me an audition and uh, after the audition uh, we decided that okay um you know she uh, you know pleasantly surprised me with her talent and then we went along with the shooting um, we might even uh, collaborate in the future also on other films but you know there is nothing that i have already planned out and when was the footage of the kolkata sequences in everything cinema shot i think it was in 2016 um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it's a long time so uh, how did you assemble the cast of travancore uh, besides a few like kani kusruti were the actors drawn from the community from in the locations you shot no none of the people were from that location oh. um, all of them were either uh, people whom i worked in my previous films with or the people i know or um, some of them were auditioned so i you know i uh, relied on various techniques to find uh travancore and joyful mystery uh, screened at moscow could you talk a little bit about your festival memories or like when did this when they screened in uh, kerala what were the audience receptions like did you notice anything interesting about this difference in reception definitely um uh, when you when you screen a film with a you know star cast in it the reception uh, you know immediately um, you know that that factor alone gives you a much more um, you know visibility and more people turn up for the show but luckily for um, uh, during ifk uh, both my films were houseful uh, 
because there were you know they had they had different or uh, i think they they had different bunch of audiences but they still you know um, you know i i was very uh, it was very satisfying to see that you know people were actually taking the films very seriously um but for a joyful mystery you know like the uh, there is a superficial layer also i think or a, there's a lighter layer also for that film uh, especially with the um, you know the dialogue with the uh, uh, the director and all so uh, people you know like it connected with more people uh, i it did um, you know resonate with a lot more people than 1956 which which had a more uh, a little more serious or um, cinephile audience for that and did you go to rotterdam for everything the cinema friendly i was not able to uh, attend it physically but i attended you know uh, online and the, the festival was happening uh, even though it had like online uh, the physical screenings there uh there was an online screening also so i was able to talk to the people um who were attending the festival you know, physically also so uh, you know but the festival was a very good experience for me like the rotterdam festival they they really take care of the uh, filmmakers and they they try to nurture the filmmakers a lot that was a, that was an aspect that i really respect and all your recent three films kind of don't have background music that much and this only and but in the end there's always a song do you think there's any specific reason why there's always a song at the end and not all my films uh, have songs at the end uh, your recent three films yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's true um maybe uh, <laughs> you know i for um sandorshtin yonandayasyam the joyful mystery um you know i the film didn't actually quite end for me yeah. at least because it was yeah. continuous it's a continuum and i wanted to convey that you know that aspect of it and i wanted to choose um, a method to uh, you know convey that and so an abrupt ending would mean that you know the film you yeah. know the it has ended or they they have reached a resolution i didn't want to give a resolution you know their problems are still continuing or you know it's it's just a circle of uh, of events so uh, the, uh, to add the music was uh, a decision uh, which was very difficult decision for me and i took it only at the end uh, even after the sound mixing and everything um, you know I, uh, then i thought oh i need a music there but what kind of music would i go for then i listened to a you know a lot of uh, western music and i took a reference to a country music and i gave it to the uh, music director and he came up with 13 different versions of you know <laughs> um, music and uh, and i this one i found went well along with it yeah but you know i don't know whether i will have music in all my you know future films at the end or middle or anywhere at all but you know it's just a natural process you know it's something that you feel at that time that you need is it song at the end of everything in cinema up anywhere have you uploaded it anywhere uh no um no. it's an old song it's an old dotu song i can be but the rendition but the rendition yeah, yeah, yeah. the rendition yeah. is different i 
and um, you know that everything is cinema for me you know was was a film that i made with absolute freedom um i didn't even have the you know um, constraints of having to make the film in a studio you don't you know otherwise you would automatically when you have to record something you have to go to the studio uh, get the artist there and record it uh, you know uh, at that time no studios were open nothing was happening so i called up a friend and asked if he can sing a song on his mobile phone and send it to me and that's how you know the that song was recorded uh, and you know i i didn't find any you know problem with the quality either. Now tell me a little about the, uh, how you produce your films. I think uh, Travel Code is produced by one of your friends and everything cinema is produced by you. Uh, and uh, uh, Santosh Chinte is, I don't know who produced that, but how are your challenges with producing? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Santosh Chinte was produced by one of my oldest friends. He was the producer of Shabam, my debut film also. Uh, he was one of the producers of Shabam. Um, for everything in cinema you know i you know i didn't uh, think of approaching anyone you know it was made and it was made almost with zero budget inside a home you know and you know i didn't have to spend too much on that i already had a sound recorder already had a camera so i you know and then and um, sharon was at disposal and so we went and it was a uh, it was a collaborative process that we had together as you know two people uh, then um, uh, for uh, for 1956 Central Travel Book, uh, like I told you earlier, um, a producer approached me, and um, I, I, it's not really the producer himself who approached me. It was um, the cameraman, um, you know, uh, Alex Joseph, who uh, initially contacted me. We were in touch for um, more, you know, uh, our, you know contact goes uh, like much longer than that so and i was aware of his works also so i was now i have you know he has been sending me the short films that he did and you know other stuff that he did with his friends so i was very impressed and i used to uh, sometimes call him up and ask him doubts about you know what camera what lens and all of that kind of stuff and we we used to be in that then um, he said that oh there's a producer who is uh, ready to make a film if you have any script then i you know then they came out as a um, a team uh, so uh, you know that's how we get that film happened and are you planning to release them in any theaters oh, of course there's a pandemic going on but yeah even do you have plans of releasing we had initial plans uh, that's how you know 1956 was you know, why even during the shoot also, you know, we were constantly the producer and myself, we were all talking about the theater release and finding, you know, everybody, you know, supporting the right audience for the film and all. Then um, uh, it didn't happen because of the pandemic, of course. Uh, then later, while making Sandor Studio on that LCM, you know, I was again planning, we almost had logged a date for uh, the release. Then again, you know, the second wave came and we, you know, all the theaters were closed again. So we went for an OTT release. Um, but I, I'm not sure, you know, about, you know, taking another initiative to 
you know, re-release the films in theater again very soon. And I don't see the um, theaters, you know, the possibility of theaters opening and people, and more than or them being open, the people going back to the theater, you know, I don't see the possibility very soon. Uh, so unless, you know, we are all, you know, vaccinated or uh, uh, safe in one way or the other, we won't be able to, to you know, go back to that place. And do you think there's any scope for conventional OTTs besides movie and other regional platforms to give a leg up to independent filmmakers like you? Or has uh, the space completely diminished? Um, there is, it is still evolving. For me, you know, like, uh, it's not, um, we are still in the middle of that evolution. It's not, you know, we haven't reached anywhere yet. Uh, but, you know, it's a good thing that a lot of uh, independent films are coming out. Um, people are get you know, people have the opportunity to uh, watch these films unlike a couple of years before. Uh, but that's a good part of it. But at the same time, you are not getting any money out of it. You know, like, uh, as soon as the film appears on an OTT platform, the film also appears on Covent or, um, you know, uh, Telegram. And, you know, uh, so... It, uh, filmmakers are not being able to um, uh, keep on making the films they want. So the pro there is a huge problem there. So, you know, unless that is sold, uh, you you know, uh, there's no point in even talking about, you know, how OGT is helping filmmakers. And okay, one last question. Are you working on a new film? What can you tell us about your new films? I'm... Um, in the very early stages of thinking about concept, uh, you know, I'm, uh, most of the time it's one or the, uh, you know one or more things that bother me. You know, the the, the themes came, comes out of the uh, questions that I have in mind or uh, the issues that I am, you know, trying to resolve myself, you know, in my head. So then I think about that more and try to apply that into. Um, one story or the other or uh, how it can be represented uh, using a camera that's what I usually think about and um, I'm still in the very early stages of that process right now You have talked about your relationship with faith and how the customs have often stuck with you. Uh, how have the making of these three films kind of affected in any way your relationship with faith? With faith uh, I'm not, you know, I don't think um actively about uh, how you know the you know how i am changing uh, my way of thinking with the film or anything but i you know i'm trying to find you know solutions in a cinematic way it's not about you know actively thinking about you know how uh, it is changing you know I, you know that's um that's quite different from the way it works uh, for me, you know, at least as a person. And do you have a tendency of watching your older films and kind of think, thinking about them? Um, for me, every time, you know, like an older film uh, is, you know, as soon as the film is fully made or, you know, after a couple of months, it's more all about the regrets. You know, you could have made it better. You could have made it in a different way. But uh, I know that it's pointless to think that way also. You know, you, want, you cannot go back to 2016 and remake Shalom now. 
uh, or maybe you know when i try to improve certain areas i may be you know uh, missing out on many other things because the uh, the the making process is not fully you know uh, under your control you're not like it's not a mechanical process completely you know there are some organical elements to also you know that falls into the uh, the chemistry of filmmaking but you know so it's not uh, something that you have full control on so that you know with that factor alone i think uh, it's pointless to think about remaking a film but you know but when i when i work on another, you know the or same theme or a similar theme i would be approaching it in a different way the next time I Okay, that's all. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Can't wait to watch Vita and Shabam. Of course, I have missed that. And we wish you all the best for your next ventures and can't wait to talk more with you. Yeah, thank you, Devon. Thank you, thank you. Bye-bye. Take care.